You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello my lovely Patricksters. It's me once again here to help you take care of yourselves. I am here with your fair dues warning. Hey, Kate, what is a fair dues warning? Well, the fair dues warning is the warning that we give at the top of each show to make sure that you know that this is an adult podcast spoken by adults to other adults in an adulty way about a range of adult subjects. And you should be an adult too. And frankly, if you persist with listening to this absolute madness, then you really have nobody else but yourself to blame because, fair dues, you were warned. We're in the year 500 BCE, in China by the coast. Hmm. Nice. We are watching a woman harvest some red seaweed with a sharp blade. The seaweed will later be boiled up to create a slippery, jelly-like substance called carrageenan. Carrageenan is a useful ingredient for cooking, used almost like a gelatin, and it can also be used as a body moisturiser. But... Its slippery properties make it perfect for something else. Yep, you've guessed it. We are watching the creation of some ancient lube. And, fun fact, centuries later, Caragean is still used in some sexual lubricants and condoms today. Clever, huh? So lube up, folks. We are sliding betwixt the sheets today to find out more about this slippery history. What do you look for in a man? Oh, money, of course. <laughs> You're supposed to rise when an adult speaks to you. I make perfect copies of whatever my boss needs by just turning a knob and pushing the button. Hey, 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 yes, social courtesy does make a difference. Goodness, what beautiful time. Goodness has nothing to do with it, Jerry. Welcome back to Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society, with me, Kate Lister. For as long as humans have been humping, there has been lubricants to help them do it. From olive oil to smashed yams to the very first petroleum jelly. If it's slippery, it's the solution. But what were the earliest lubes made of? And when did they start being marketed as sexual aids? It's actually more recent than you might think. Today, we are joined once again by historian Hallie Lieberman, who is going to answer these questions and more. 
But before we get to it, lovely Betwixters, I have a little favour to ask you. Think of it as a lubricant to this episode. We would just love it if you would vote for us for the Listener's Choice Award at the British Podcast Awards. If you follow the link in the show notes, it would mean the absolute world to us. I bet you've already voted. I bet you've already done it. You're saying, Kate, we've already voted. Don't even worry about it. For anyone else there that hasn't, get voting. I think we can do it this year. Right, let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Betwixt the Sheets. I'm only talking to Hallie Lieberman. Hello, Hallie. Hello, Kate. I'm so happy to be on here. I had so much fun talking to you last time about sex toys. Yeah. That was one of our most listened episodes, that one. People absolutely loved it. What? That is awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah, that you bring the crowds with you. You are what the people want. (laughs) So we thought we'd get you back and talk to you about the history of lube. Oh my God. Lube is like, you know, sex toys cousin who's underappreciated. I had never thought about the history of lube until my producers said, we're going to get Hallie back on. She wants to talk about lube. How did you end up talking on researching lube? Where is this? Is this just like you, you're just done with sex toys and kind of lube is sex toy adjacent? Yeah, lube is sex toy adjacent and people like don't really, it's less sexy than sex toys. So there's kind of like mm. less work around it, but it is so kind of fascinating and weird and gendered and it's still not normalized. That's my argument. No, no, that is very true. It's still, you raise a few eyebrows going down to the corner shop to buy a pint of milk and a, and a bottle of lube. People still look at you like you've done something particularly weird if you do that. Yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're having <laughs> butt sex or your vagina is dysfunctional or whatever. But not just that, it's you're having a fun Saturday night. You got your milk, you got your lube, you got your cereal. Right. What else do you need, quite frankly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think about it, and I have been thinking about it since I knew we were going to get you back on to talk about this. Lube, like you said, it's got, it's very stigmatized. Like people don't like to talk about it very much, but it's so important to sex and it can be so much fun. And of course, people have always needed it. Of course they have. Like, it must have a really ancient history. It does have an ancient history. Like, yeah, it's not like just modern people suddenly needed lube. No, it's not like modern people went, actually, we can improve this. <laughs> let's let's do something. Yeah. Like, actually, let's make sex a little bit more fun. No, our ancestors were doing this as well. So the lube, like, goes back to about 600 BC. Jesus, Wow. Yes. And the crazy thing is, so this was Japan, China, and Korea. They boiled red seaweeds to produce this slick liquid called a carrageenan, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. But what's really cool about this, aside from they were, you know, making this effort, making lube that it's this old, is that some research has shown that they can prevent HPV, this kind of lube. So our ancestors might have known something we didn't a long time ago. And this, there's been a lot of research on that this recently. So no way, lube from seaweed. Yes. Yeah. And, and people are selling seaweed lube. I checked, like they're still selling this, which is great, like as natural. And it seems new and it's like really like thousands of years old. Is that because seaweed is kind of slimy? Is that the thing? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it works. You know, it's kind of like nature's natural. Nature's lube. Yeah. Yeah. Nature 
there's lube. I mean, like when you're swimming in the ocean, you don't think, wow, I'd really want to like take this piece of seaweed and like put it in my <laughs> vagina. <laughs> but yeah. You've never been to Muggle. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense when you think about it. It's like, oh yeah. It makes perfect sense. When they're writing about this in sort of like ancient China and Japan and places, what are the texts? Are they actually identifying it as a lubricant, like that it's for a sexual use? Yeah, they're mentioning it for a sexual use. But yeah, I mean, I don't know like too much about the text other than scholars have mm. identified that it was discussed. But yeah, people who know this area say, yeah, this was what was being used. Seaweed lube. Because my first thought, and I was thinking of what would you use as a lube in like the ancient world? And my first thought was olive oil. That was the first thing that I thought Well, of. and that's the like next thing that was used. So that was used in ancient Greek times. There are texts, actually Aristotle talks about this in a text and says it could also be used as a contraceptive. And I was talking to my boyfriend about that. I'm like, would that work? Not that like we're going to use that as a contraceptive. No. Like the next podcast will be like, I have a baby now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it didn't work. Spoiler alert. But olive oil makes sense as a lube. They also used it on leather dildos. So that was interesting. And wow. I was reading some things that scholars said that when you see like little containers of olive oil in like etchings and images from the time, you think of it differently. You know, now you think it's like they're really carrying their lube around. It would be great if we brought that back and normalized it. I think maybe like olive oil was like the coconut oil of its day. You know, like it was just used for everything. Yeah. And it's funny you bring up coconut oil because Betty Dodson, who, you know, normalized masturbation for the feminist movement, she was so into coconut oil. When I interviewed her. Coconut oil. Yeah. She said like, that's what you need to get. She was still, you know, into it. It's funny how like we prioritize some oils, isn't it? Like coconut oil and olive oil sound quite sexy, but like vegetable oil, sunflower oil, if someone like whipped that out, you just like, hang on, hang on a moment. Well, yeah, I know sunflower oil is not sexy. I don't think of vegetable oil is sexy, but they were selling vegetable oil in sex toy catalogs. No way. In the 70s. And it was sold, and I always do this gesture without really, for fisting. Fuck. Do you know why I'm surprised that? Because, you know, that makes sense why you do that. But it's just the idea of, like, you know, a bottle of, like, crisp and dry from the local supermarket being used as... It's, wow. Okay. So olive oil is being used in the ancient world. Do we know the type of sex that it was being used for is it anal sex or is it like what's it being do we have any records of that so like we have records that it was used for dildos but for vaginal sex we know that it was recommended aristotle recommended it for vaginal sex i haven't seen stuff that doesn't mean it doesn't exist for anal sex but i'm sure it was i'm sure it was i mean that makes sense they're trying to do that particular sex act with no lubrication at all that's not much fun is it no and i have seen warnings today like where people are like oh the rectum is not self-lubricating like people are so warned <laughs> warning it and it's like okay i guess we still need that warning i guess we probably do don't we well maybe it doesn't surprise me so much that the ancient greeks were messing around with this because they were a kinky bunch but do we have kind of like evidence from a little bit later on than that what is lube's journey from here it's done seaweed and it's done olive oil and aristotle had a weird moment with it but then where do we go with our historical lube journey yeah so we go to this 
sticky substance from grated yams. This is a Japanese yams. culture, which is like now made into soup. And I'm not going to try to pronounce this because I'm going to pronounce it wrong. But they oiled animal intestine condoms with it. Yeah. And now like you look up this substance, I was like, let me see if they're still making lubes out of this. And it was just like, here's how to make this yam soup. And I'm like, oh God. I've had yam soup. You have? Was I eating a, a bowl of lube? <gasps> yes. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Oh you should have God. saved some in a doggy bag. Had I but known. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So do we have any understanding of what they were doing to yams to make it into lube? So it's grated yams and then they were boiled and liquefied. So, you know, I think they're different than kind of the yams, at least in the U.S., that are like sweet potatoes. I think that you might have to do some real historical archaeology here, Hallie, and we might have to like try and make it. Oh my God. You know, like those TikTokers that recreate historical recipes. You could recreate historical lube. That would be so great. Now, I would love to do that. I wouldn't want to use it because I'd probably have no. bacterial vaginosis like 24-7. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> but I would love to. You can't be putting yams in your hoo-ha. <laughs> That's just a terrible idea. Yeah. But it would be great to recreate them and then taste test them. Yeah. You could slippery test them you can like rub them on the back of your hands and sort of see what kind of lube is this and then if it didn't work you've got a lovely soup that's great right? you have a dinner party yeah bring your friends over and be like well this is what this was intended for yeah what i'm kind of hearing from this is that this is like an industry because like to do that to get yams and on seaweed and turn them into lube for a specific thing that's not the same as like reaching for the olive oil that was in the kitchen Anyway, this is like actually the process of turning it into lube suggests that there was an industry here and there was a demand for it and it was quite important. Yeah, exactly. You know, this isn't the mass market because of the time period industry we have today. But yes, this was like a thing people were desiring, were seeking out, were making. You're right. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm horny. I need something slippery. Let me get something. It was like, let's yeah. prepare. And that's like kind of a shift. It was like, we're preparing the substance for the specific purpose. Wow. But what was that film, The Last Tango in Paris, where they famously used butter yes. as a lube? Yes, that's right. Oh, I wouldn't fancy that one too much. No, given a choice, I think I'd probably go with the seaweed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you're on a beach. Like, I think they were on a beach when that happened. Absolutely. Okay, so we've got, like, various oils and things being turned into lubricants. People are very creative. But, like, when do we get... So like sort of lubes that we would recognize today, I suppose like oil-based lubes. So the clove oil used for anal sex. Clove oil. 1600s because of pain killing and like muscle relieving properties. We wouldn't recognize this today, but it's similar to anal ease that's sold today with lidocaine wow. in it. I thought it'd be a bit stingy that. I don't want to put clove oil in my anus. I'm not interested in doing that. No, it would make it quite festive though, <laughs> yeah well, for christmas <laughs> like try it yeah so okay that's an option as well oh, suppose, like what i think about when i think of lubes it's vaseline that's like your your standard one isn't it where does vaseline come from so vaseline 1870s it's patented petroleum 1870s yes so it's old it wasn't sold as a lube uh, you know, it's petroleum mm. jelly. You put it on cuts, you know, use it for health purposes, which a lot of the lubes like later in the history were for medical uses. And then consumers repurpose them for oh. sexual purposes. And Vaseline is one of those. 
Vaseline continued to be sold in sex toy catalogs in the 1970s, in the 1980s. It's recommended by doctors. You see it in medical texts where they're like, okay, you know, tell your patient to use Vaseline during intercourse. Yeah, so that's the first one. And then right after Vaseline is KY jelly, in which I think most people would recommend. What was it used for medically? Was it medically used for certain things? Because like you said you put it on cuts, works as like a plaster? Yeah, yeah, it was like that. Like it was almost like keeping a wound wet, you know? Right. Okay, yeah. See, it just, I learned so much. <laughs> right, okay, so KY jelly. Tell me the origin story of KY jelly. Yeah, so it was introduced in a pharmaceutical company in New York City. So it was a medical product. It's biologically inert, which meant it was good for being used in the body. So this is 1904, and it was glycerin and hydroethyl cellulose, which I'm not exactly sure what that cellulose stuff is. But like right after it was introduced. So they talk about using it for catheters and different things Mm. for medical treatments. But I found this journal article, The Medical Sentinel, recommending using it during coitus. Coitus. And it says, actually, it mentions Vaseline, throws Vaseline under the bus, says Vaseline is not advisable. (laughs) Does it say why? Yes, it says, if it be used and bacteria are deposited in the vagina, they cannot be washed out, but are covered. I love that. I want to read this sentence because it's great. But are covered by the Vaseline and husbanded to do future damage to the woman or to be rubbed into the meatus of the next victim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's just some kind of weird horror show. Okay, yeah. So Vaseline's not getting (laughs) a good rep there. I'm really surprised by how early this is. I thought that we'd be talking like 1980s, but it's a hundred years before that. Yes, yes. More than. It's definitely like a lot earlier than you would expect. But there is one thing about Vaseline. So you do have people mentioning KY jelly for sex and you have doctors criticizing Vaseline, but then you also have some doctors recommending Vaseline. And this is like disturbing to me. So this is 1910, one doctor, but then other doctors agreed later, recommended mixing cocaine with Vaseline. Hallie, that, you've just made that up. That, what? Why? And this is in the Lancet, the big medical journal. They recommend it for vaginismus, where like the vagina like closes up and tightens during sex. And while using glass dilators to, you know, open up your vagina and get it ready for sex. And it's like, that is so disturbing. (laughs) But then seven years later in 1917, this Dr. William J. Robinson suggests Vaseline and cocaine again for vaginismus. And he also suggested it for the first time women have sex. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like here, you know, wedding night, whatever. Let's get out the cocaine and Vaseline mixture so you can't feel anything. I don't even know. It's crazy. Because they used to use cocaine for dental work, didn't they? Because it's numbing. It's a painkiller. Is that what they're thinking of here? I mean, we should say, please, nobody try this at home. It's just insanity. (laughs) Yeah, you're absolutely right. So this doctor said it will facilitate the introduction of the member and save the bride a good deal of pain. Oh, my God. Wow. It's pretty crazy. And it's like, you know, you should know what's going on with your body. You don't want to numb everything because you could hurt yourself. So... 
Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. That is. I don't know if I'm going to be able to move past that, but I'm going to have to try. <laughs> cocaine lube. Oh, my God. All right. So, like, how, how does it fare when we get into the 20th? And at this time, so people are talking about it as being used for sex, but they seem to be talking about it as in, like, it's a solution to a problem. Like, you use lube when you're having sex for the first time. You use lube to insert something that's going to... Like, is, is anyone at this point talking about it actually makes sex more fun? Is that part of the conversation? No, and it's really frustrating to me. It is not part of the conversation. The first time, and this is not even to make sex more fun, but um, the first time we have lube, like, to not solve, like, a quote-unquote problem for a woman or... Um, a problem for like having anal sex is when we get lubricated condoms and this is 1957 Durex introduces them. And the weird thing to me about this is like, okay, we know you should have lube on a condom to make sex better. Why don't we also say, Hey, if your dick doesn't have a condom on it, you should use lube too. But no, we don't make that argument. I mean, and actually my reasoning for this or why I think this is, is because it's considered unnatural. Like women are supposed to be aroused. So there's a shame thing. That's interesting. So I always thought that the stigma around it is like just because it's sex and we're not okay with that. But actually, is that what we're talking about here? Is that there's like a shame that if you need this, you've somehow failed to either get turned on or to turn your woman on. Exactly. That's what I think, because that's kind of the vibe I get, because it's really feminists who first start talking about lube as like, you should just use it. It makes sex feel better. I do think the male ego is getting involved in why, you know, lube isn't more normalized. And it's like, oh, well, we just use it for a problem. Or if you need lube, you have a problem. But after this you start seeing like flavored lube. God, yeah, where did flavored lube come from? Whose idea was that? I, I don't know the history of the company d- that did this, but what's so interesting when you start seeing lube for pleasure, it's like early 1970s and you see it in sex toy catalogs. Mm. And so it's like, if lube is for pleasure, then we're going to make it fun flavors like candy. And this pleasure chest, which is a sex toy company in the U.S., in their catalog, they had all these different characters. And one was Tony, a construction worker and a jockstrap. And he has a dick in one hand and lube in the other. And there's this whole backstory about Tony. But it was like, okay, this is normal for him. He's a construction worker. He carries around a thing of lube. As you do. And a massive dick. And a massive dick. But then also it mentioned that he likes flavored lube. Dick likes wild licorice flavored lube. And it says can be used to flavor everything from tits to toes. Who needs to lube their toes? <laughs> what? I know, I know. That, that was a bit extreme. And I imagine someone fully covered in this licorice scented lube. Yes, just turned up head to toe, just slippery like a giant eel, but flavored with licorice. Yeah, oh, doesn't seem very attractive, but... And they had all these different flavors. They had pineapple, grape, strawberry, orange. They mentioned all these flavors. And, you know, there's been a backlash against these flavors where people are like, I want a dick to smell like dick or taste like dick. Same Mm. with the vagina. But like at the time, it was like it was the 70s. It was exciting. This company also sold waterbeds. It was like, yeah, I mean, ugh, I don't want my waterbed covered in, you know, pineapple. Ugh. I'll be back with Hallie and Lube after this short break.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Afwa Hush. I'm Peter Frankopan. And in our podcast, Legacy, we explore the lives of some of the biggest characters in history. This season, we're exploring the life of Cleopatra. An iconic life full of romances, sieges and tragedy. But who was the real Cleopatra? It feels like her story's been told by others with their own agenda for centuries. But her legacy is enduring, and so we're going to dive into how her story has evolved all the way up to today. I am so excited to talk about Cleopatra, Peter. She Love Cleopatra. She is an icon. She's the most famous woman in antiquity. She's got to be up there with the most famous woman of all time. But I think there's a huge gap between how familiar people are with the idea of her compared to what they actually know about her life and character. So for Pyramids, Cleopatra and Cleopatra's Nose. Follow Legacy Now wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can binge entire seasons early and ad-free on Wondery+. Plus. I'm thrilled to say that today's episode of Betwixt the Sheets is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses with us and I'm no exception. It can be a whole range of things that weigh on us big and small, such as, can I justify these elaborate impulse purchases? How do I tell my friend that, no, they really shouldn't have cut that fringe? And of course, the evergreen classic, why are we all here? Bottling these things up can really take its toll, which is why therapy is fantastic for getting them off your chest and working through them with an expert. Even if it's just to tell your mate that their hair doesn't look its best. If you're thinking of starting therapy, BetterHelp is built to be convenient to you, being entirely online and flexible to suit your schedule. Simply fill out a questionnaire to be matched with a therapist and you can change at any time with no additional cost. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash betwixt to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash betwixt. Hey, I'm Don Wildman, and on American History Hit, my expert guests and I journey across the nation and through the years to uncover the stories that have made the United States. From first flight to first ladies, from stitching the star-spangled banner to striking gold in California to shooting for the moon with Apollo. We've got you covered. Catch new episodes of American History Hit, a podcast by History Hit, every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. When do we get to the point where like, they're marketed for gay sex? Because obviously, lube plays quite a crucial part in some expressions of gay sex. Yeah, so this catalog in the 1970s, so this was a gay, pleasure chest was mainly for gay men. So a lot of this was for, ah. and I should have prefaced it, a lot of that was for gay sex. So if you see in like the 60s and 70s, you'll see all these ads for lubricant, like elbow grease, which is for fisting and for, and they have these man names like that in the back of The Advocate and other gay magazines. So you see open advertisements for that. You see some lube ads, not as much in Playboy, but in Penthouse, in some 
more like racy magazines for men and for women, like in Playgirl, you see some lube ads. So you do see some of this anal lube. The first mention of anal ease, which I mentioned earlier in the podcast with Ben Zakane, I found was in 1973. Wow. And this was in a sex toy catalog. And the ad copy, how they described it was so ugh to me. But anyway, so it said, no longer need your loved ones shriek in anguish when it is necessary to introduce large objects into the anal opening. <laughs> oh my God. Well, they went big and did not go home. That's, that's what marketing meeting produced that? <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, what the hell? And like loved ones shrieking with anger. Like, I don't even know. It's too much. It's like, have you been assaulting your loved ones? Would you like them to be quieter during the process? Then we have got... God. Fucked up, yeah. But what's interesting at this point, around this time, Alex Comfort, Joy of Sex, it's his best-selling sex manual. And he says the best sexual lubricant is saliva. I don't agree with that. You don't get enough. It doesn't last long enough it's not pineapple flavor yeah no i don't it dries out i don't agree at all he was a hippie i mean like joy of sex has just you know hairy naked people having sex they love each you know it's just i mean love isn't just for hippies but spit yeah Mm. and then he says unless you're having anal sex and you could use petroleum jelly oh and vaseline but this is the thing that disturbed me about alice comfort's Advice, he suggested using honey. See, I think that this is really, because this ties back to your earlier point, and I'd never thought of this before, about the gendered marketing of lube. They're like, if you're two guys fucking, then of course you'll need proper lube. Of course you will, because the anus doesn't actually produce lube. But if you're a woman, then you just need a little spit and polish and you'll be fucking good to go. Or maybe a dab of honey, because we'll just marinate the (laughs) vagina now in honey. Is that what that is, do you think? Is like that... Men get, what was it, elbow grease and manly tool stuff to make people scream less. And women get a quick, (laughs) and you're good to go, love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is definitely like, especially in a patriarchal culture, it's definitely this idea that like, if we're going to normalize lube, we're going to normalize it for men for, you know, man-on-man activity. I mean, obviously there's homophobia, there's all sorts of things, but it is so Mm. gendered as like, it's so masculine to, you know, use this kind of lube. And for women, the delicate creatures that they are, oh, they don't need any lube. They should be producing it. If they're not, they're frigid, you know, and if you really can't get the dick in, then add some cocaine, mix it. You know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's really disturbing. I never thought of that before. Yeah. Until I looked into this stuff, I didn't really either. And you see that marketing, even today, there's a lube in the US, and I think it's sold in the UK, called gun oil. Gun oil. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It comes in a package that looks like a bullet. This is very macho lube. It is. And it was invented by a military guy, a former Marine, of course. Of course. Who used to masturbate with actual gun oil during the Iraq war. And he was a platoon commander and his platoon, he like told them about this and they created like a masturbation shack because they're in the middle of nowhere in Saudi Arabia. And he claims 
and they would like hang their ammunition, their ammo bucket outside to let other people know they were jacking off in there with their gun oil. And he claims this is like kept morale going because there's nothing else. They were in the middle of the desert. Holy shit. Now there's a business plan. (laughs) How macho is that though? Like how macho is that product? Because it's not enough to just be like, right, we just want to have good sex. It's like, yeah, it comes from the war in Iraq when soldiers used to whack themselves off when fighting the terrorists. I know. It's so, so macho. And the funny thing too is like I was looking and I like it. It's good lube. I own this, like full disclosure. But if you look at the actual logo, you see bullet holes in it. (laughs) And it's like, you're sticking this like in your vagina and your butt. Like, I don't want like a bullet in my butt. But the best thing is he also later made lubes for women. I was just going to ask you, are there lubes for women? Yes. And this same company, and they were called Pink. (laughs) Of course. Of course they were. (laughs) And they just had a pink top to them. Pink for girls. for girls. So we have it like it's normalized for gay men more than for women. But what was funny, so we have our bodies ourselves saying that it's normal for women not to have enough lubrication. That was like the ur text of lube for women. It was like, you guys, this text that was very popular teaching women about their sexuality, it said it's normal and you need it. And after that, 1975, research showed over half of KY jelly sales were for women to improve their sex lives. I mean, lube is like chocolate fudge on ice cream. It's like more is is amazing. It doesn't matter if you're producing your own and you're fucking squirting away like the Trevishay fountain. It's like more is better. More lube. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's like so sad to me that there was like this shame and buying lube, even though it could bring joy and pleasure, but it it goes to the same sex toy thing. It's for women's sexual pleasure, you know, that kind of thing in between that period in the 80s we get astroglide have you heard of astroglide Good name no it was invented by a young rocket scientist <laughs> it's like, are these stories true or is this just like part of the marketing of like yeah it's invented by an astronaut and yeah it's invented by a marine and is this true yeah so the astroglide story that's what they tell the gun oil story i watched the whole video it showed him pictures of his platoon okay But that became a big, big brand. It's still a big brand today. So we get Astroglide and that's sold as a gynecological lubricant. Similar to natural secretions, contains no petroleum. It's kind of normalizing lube a little more for women during sex. But when you get the AIDS era in the 1990s, it becomes a big issue because people are using lube on condoms thinking they're being safer you know, like that. this will be, the condom will be less likely to break. And that's true, but only if you're using the right lube. Vaseline and other oils were breaking down the condoms and people were using that. And actually the Sex Information and Education Council of the U.S. does a campaign to let the public know they should not use oil-based lubes. And that's still true today, isn't it? Oil-based lubes can break condoms apart. Yeah, latex condoms. And so, you know, it was pretty crazy and it got really dark. Like there's this newspaper article, 1998, sexual lubricants may save lives, confusion may kill. And it was like, whoa. Wow. Yeah, and so you have lube like during AIDS era, you have lube being talked about more. 
in reference to condoms, but then you also have the fear. It's like, we need to get the right lube. And again, lube is like, it'll help prevent disease. Not necessarily it's going to make sex more fun. But right after that, you have the introduction of Viagra. Of course, Viagra. Yes. Right. Tell me about (laughs) what Viagra did to lose. Well, so, you know, Viagra comes out super popular. And then Mm. all these women whose husbands were impotent until this point, suddenly their husbands have, you know, 24-7 hard-ons or whatever ready to fuck. They're, you know, having sex with them. They're like, ah, you know, I'm in pain. (laughs) I haven't had sex for, you know, 15 years. And they start asking for lube and lube and vaginal moisturizer are recommended. And so we have this conversation about lube and lube sales increase because of Viagra. But again, it's related to menopause. It was like, oh, these are older women. They have dry Mm. vaginas. We still don't transfer it to just everyone should be using lube. There's still that kind of thing. I've been thinking about this a lot recently with Viagra because I've been contributing to a couple of documentaries on it. And I really thought about it. Like, like, it's great. and It did amazing things. But I often think about the women in this equation, or at least the people that these guys were having sex with, that like now suddenly they've got this massive stonking <laughs> hard on. And isn't that great? And isn't that amazing? Isn't that fabulous? But there's very, very little voice being spoken from the people that are now expected to have sex with them. And I think that that in itself, I find it quite troubling because it's like, yeah, they can have sex, but like, where's the same consideration for their partners? And like, that was very, very quiet on that. And there's this like horrible, almost like unspoken assumption of like, well, then they're going to go and find sex with a younger woman who can who can keep up with them and do all these amazing things. And there were Viagra divorces that happened as well. Ooh. Yeah, because, well, like guys that suddenly, you know, got this stonking hard-on back and announced that now they felt that they should go and play the field. And obviously loads of 21-year-old women would be falling at their feet to have sex with them, obviously. Oh. Of course they would. <laughs> like that really happens. I'm not surprised that it had a massive impact on lube sales yeah yeah wow i did not know about viagra divorces but Mm -hmm. like yeah that makes sense and then the whole lube thing and oh i'm gonna get like a younger woman who's naturally lubricated it's all gonna be natural even though my erection is not natural is not god i mean yeah like that's a whole thing it's like viagra gets talked about like it's this fucking like oh my god it's the best thing that ever 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 happened ever and i'm in every documentary i've been on about it they ask me what would be the female Viagra? And it's such a difficult question to answer, but like things like lube is actually very, very important for women or HRT, but that doesn't get as much press as, oh my God, Viagra. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that it was interesting that, you know, what is the female Viagra? I was thinking about this as I was researching lube and I was thinking lube, Yeah, it's not as sexy because it's not as technologically, you know, advanced, but it's lubrication Oh, I mean, women get erections as well, but lubrication is a part of women's arousal process. So it totally makes sense that lube is at least one piece of the puzzle for female Viagra and the fact that it's been stigmatized and still Mm. isn't normalized. I mean, Viagra, that was 25 years ago now, and lube, we're only starting to normalize it somewhat. So when Viagra is released 1998, you see more lubes in drugstores, probably because women are like, I need to fucking go get this lube because my (laughs) husband, you know, whatever. But yeah, you start seeing lube like more easy to access. 
and you see the lube aisle expanding. Mm. Trojan starts selling all these flavored lubes and, you know, passion berry gel. There are all these like, it's interesting. Like there's one that was like non-fat decaf coffee creamer lube. And it's like, what? Again, it's all like trying to stop sex tasting like sex, isn't it? Well, exactly. And, you know, some of it actually, there was this Vice article recently, someone wrote about this butterscotch lube and they said, it actually is so delicious. I put it on ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. But yeah, they had like all these flavors and KY starts to come out with these different kind of lubes as well, like different flavors, making it less medicalized. So you really do see lube like right after Viagra in the early 2000s, the category kind of explodes, but you still see the shame. Like it's still, there was not this message that everyone should use lube. It was like either you want a dick to or a vagina to taste differently or you have a medical problem or whatever, or you're having anal sex. It was not just like everyone should use lube, which should be the message. That should be the message. And where are we up to today with, with lube marketing? So I was doing some research, like knowing that I was going to talk to you and I had a look around my local chemists. And I noticed that what we've got now as well is massage oil slash lube. That's like quite a nice niche marketing because it's like it's not quite lube you might be massaging it could be completely innocent but also if you wanted to yeah yeah I mean the massage absolutely like I mean it's like with sex toys too like anytime you can say this could possibly be used for something other than penetrative sex or you know any sort of sexual thing that it normalizes it more so you have the massage oil lube You had like the KY lubes that were like, okay, this is just a lube. Like we're not going to say what it's for, Mm. but like today, what kind of lubes do we have? Like what is the lube field? Well, the kind of cool thing I think is that we have all the lubes you saw in specialty sex toy stores. You see a lot of those brands in drug stores. You have, you know, silicone lube. Like it's been around for a long time. Some of my research was like been around since 1900. I don't think it was used for sex, but that's a big one now, although you can't use it with certain silicone toys, but that used to be something that was really hard to get in the drugstore. And now you can get that, but you have all these flavors. You have insane flavors. It's like lube companies. It's like now that we have good, you know, water-based and silicone lubes. It's like, we just have to come up with all these flavors or we've perfected lube to some extent, we changed the packaging. So they are marketing more towards women with packaging, making lube look like perfume bottles. It does look like perfume bottles. It does. And it kind of looks like like perfume bottles or like toys, like little additions, little extra things you might want to play with while you're having sex instead of actually... You should be using this even if you are well lubricated on your own because it just makes sex more pleasurable, more fun, and just better. And it doesn't need to be flavoured like a bonbon for that to happen. Well, exactly. And so when feminists were really the ones to kind of normalize, just like they were for sex toys, normalize lubes or try to. And one of the things they promoted was slippery stuff. And that that lube has been around for at least 25 years and the good vibrations and other companies, when they sold in the catalog, they were like, this is just like you. It's just like more of it. So you see that kind of marketing, more women focused, a sex toy 
company ads. And then for male focused, it was like, this is manly. Here's an elbow. Like we use this during the Iraq war, like that kind of thing. And so it's just a completely. And then the, for women, it's like, yeah, you like, this will make sex more fun. You know, they're trying to normalize it, which is great, which is what we should do. But I don't think that has happened yet. You've been amazing to talk to about this today. And my final question, and I think I know what it's going to be, but what is your message about lube to get out to the general public, the Holly Liebman public service <laughs> announcement when it comes to lube. What do you want people Everyone to Everyone should go out and buy lube now. You should always have lube on hand. It makes sex more fun. Have different kinds though, too. Have a water-based lube so that you can use it with silicone toys. Have a silicone lube. That's my favorite wet brand lube. I always have it. Gun oil is great have it. It's not stigmatized. If any person tells you, oh, well, this means you aren't turned on enough. This means you're not aroused enough. Tell them to fuck off because you're just making sex more fun. It has nothing to do with their ego and how aroused or your body. I mean, one in our bodies ourselves, they're like, it takes the pressure off. You know, some women get nervous during sex. And then if they're not lubricated enough, they think that their partner is judging them and, and they all get all up in their head. It's like a man taking Viagra, like to not have to worry that he may not get a heart on. It's the same thing. Like women should just have it so they can relax and enjoy sex. Men as well have lube around, you know, you're straight, you're gay, doesn't matter. You're pan. You got to have it. We all need our lube. It should be supplied by the government. <laughs> you should just get it in the mail when you turn 18. Hallie for president, I vote for you. <laughs> you have been so much fun. And if people want to know more about you and your work, where can they find you? So my website, which is my name, hallielieberman.com and Twitter, Instagram, my full name as well. I'm always writing articles, writing one on people with a fetish for conservative Republicans. So, Well, we will need to get you back on for that. My God. Oh, Hallie, you have been an absolute joy and a treat. Thank you so much for talking to me about this today. Thank you so much for having me on. It was so fun. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Hallie for joining me. And if you enjoyed listening to Hallie, why not scroll back to our earlier episode where she talked to us about the history of sex toys. And if you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, review and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts. This podcast was edited and produced by Stuart Beckwith. The senior producer was Charlotte Long. Join me again Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society, a podcast by History Hit. This podcast contains music from Epidemic Sound. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Betwixt the Sheets. Please follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. 
Don't forget, you can also listen to all these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com forward slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use the code BETWIXT at checkout.